Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. How are you doing today? Yeah, you're doing good. Uh, Thanksgiving is over. You might still be full, but you're past it now, right? How many of you are glad we're past Thanksgiving? Like it was like a tiring thing for some of you. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, no, I'm still eating the leftovers. I love it. All right, so so let's let's find out what kind of um, what kind of freaks. I mean, people that were around here this morning. Uh, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online or even listening to our podcast. Uh, let, let's find out who who is who here, okay? So how many of you are people that are like, as soon as you hit like July the 4th, you're, you're, you're putting up Christmas decorations? <laughs> like, like you're all about it. You're, you're, you're the ones that like stand up and you'll be like, I will decorate when I want to decorate. I don't care. I don't, I don't conform to your social norms. If I want Christmas spirit in my house, I'll put up some Christmas spirit. Anybody in the room admit to being like that? All right, all right, okay, so we had one. I, I, I can't go any more than I was going to say something, but because of the one, I won't. Um, so how many of you are, are, are like most uh, normal people where, where you, like, so you wait until after Thanksgiving. How many of you wait until after Thanksgiving, and then you start to put them up? And some of you are like, Tim, I don't put them, put them, put them up anytime. Like, I'm not even into it. We know a couple like that. They're just like, oh, we're done. Uh, we did it. We did it for like, you know, 80 years. We're done. We're just not putting stuff up. We'll enjoy other people's decorations. Um, well, we wait until after Thanksgiving, uh, but we start the day immediately the day after. So if you're a Black Friday kind of shopper person, God bless you. We will never be very close as friends, you and I. Um, but I love you in the Lord. Uh, and but no, we're not. We we like to actually. We're like we know it's a marketing slogan, but but we're we're all on board with REI. It's like get out, get outdoors. Uh, we love it. We go and uh, we cut down our Christmas tree up at Crest Family Farms up in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Anybody else go to Crest Farms and get your tree? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we go up there, we cut it down, which sounds more dramatic and like, 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 you know, I don't know, something. It sounds more than what it actually is because you get the, they give you the saw and you get in there and you get like four pulls on the saw and then the thing's down, you know. It's not like, you know, I do joke every year, every year because dads have to be this way. I do joke about cutting down one of the, one of the redwoods on their farm and trying to drag it back and seeing how much it would be. Um, okay, all right, all right, I've already gone off track. I need to, I need to collect myself. So we, uh, we, we got our Christmas tree and um, we put it up and, and, then, and then I start to tackle the lights. And I do some lights on the outside. Now, I'm not, I'm not Clark Griswold, you know. Somebody gets that. The, the other day, I was talking to somebody, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna, Clark Griswold, this thing, man, it's gonna be amazing. And they were like, "Who, who, Clark, what? Clark Gri- Grizzly Bear? What? 
Greatest Wall, yeah, I don't recommend the entire movie. You'll have to fast forward a little bit if you're with kids. But um, Christmas Vacation, so I put some lights. And um, for years, we've been wanting to do this thing. For years. And, and this is totally Nicole's vision. She, she's the visionary behind this thing. And for years, she's been pressing me to do it. And for years. I've been putting her off, and uh, this year I decided to go ahead and do it. It was time, and so um, here is what the front of our house looks like. I want to show you this picture. So we got this. We got this um, this mannequin. So what you do is you 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 decorate the whole house, right? And then the very last section of the roof, which is just going off there to the right, you hang this person up there. And, and yeah, the last thing, you, you, you put the ladder like they have fallen off the ladder. Now, there have been people who have done this, and their neighbors have actually called 911 and had, you know, thinking somebody was stuck up on the roof. And um, so, 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 here's, so my, my, I had my friend John, who's here this morning, um, who come over, and he helped me do this, right? So I did all the lights up to the guy, up to the person. And then, and then uh, John and I, had, we, I, I went and I bought this mannequin off of Facebook Marketplace. And, and it, was, it was a female mannequin. And so um, we, uh, we get all the clothes, John and I, and um, we, we're, we're planning this outfit right here, right? Like we're trying to put it all together. And so John has the mannequin like around the way holding the mannequin while I'm down, like, like pu pulling up the jeans, right? So we had this, like, this unclothed uh, mannequin, female, very, very, very obviously female, and I'm pulling up the jeans, John's holding it, and my neighbor drives up, and I look over at John, I'm like, I'm going to have to go have a conversation right now. You hold on to the mannequin, let me go <laughs> to her. And so I had to show her a picture so she knew, like, really what we were talking about. Um, but we pulled it off. We pulled it off. And now we have this, this amazing thing. And we have this contest in our community of who has the best decorations. And so we hope we're in the running this year with this thing. So we'll see. But it's a great picture, though, of what we're talking about here this morning. Because how many of you have this vision of your life, of a certain situation, of your job, of your family, maybe your kids, maybe your spouse? Um, how many of you have this expectation, this picture, this vision of something that doesn't quite end up like you, like you hoped it would have been, right? That as hard as you have tried, you're hanging on for dear life while the ladder is, is somewhere else and you haven't even finished what it is that you set out to do. Have you ever felt like that in your life? I think we've all felt like that. I, I think if, if we're all honest, we all have, and I don't want to like, like load too much negativity on you here right at the start, but we all have areas of our lives that are like this and we will have areas of our life that are like this until the day we die. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm just going to lay that on you like that. Uh, I'm just going to lay that on you like your life will never be completed in the way that you hoped it would be. Merry Christmas. 
Merry Christmas to you. Um, but it's the reality of our lives, right? Like, like we all have these areas where we're in what we call the messy middle. It's not quite what we had hoped for or what we yet want it to be, maybe what we still hope for, but it's more maybe than what it has been, and we're just somewhere in the middle. And all of our lives are lived in this space. Like every now and then, we get this time where we sort of break through and we finish a thing or it, it comes to completion or it materializes exactly like we had hoped it would be. Those are rare moments, rare moments when that happens. The reality is we oftentimes just move through this life operating in the messy middle. Now, for many of us, if we don't figure out how to navigate the messy middle, our lives will constantly feel like we're just all over the place. Like we, we just will feel constantly out of place. Like, like we're just not accomplishing, like we're just now getting, we're not getting to where we want to get to, that we're, we're just spinning our wheels is what happens if we don't learn how to navigate the messy middle. So today, in our series called The Last Days, we're going to navigate this and ask God to give us some clarity and some wisdom about how to live our lives in the messy middle. And I hope that's good news for you, because I don't have to convince you that, that we live in the messy middle. We all experience it every single day. And so in Revelation, if you're just joining us, We've been all year long, actually. Now, not like every, every week, um, off and on throughout the year, but we started at the beginning of the year. We'll finish by the end of the year. And some of you are like, amen to that. Um, we've been going through the book of Revelation. And we've been exploring what the book of Revelation has to say. And if you're not familiar with the Bible, if you're new to this thing, it's the last book or section or writing in the Bible. And it describes what happens at the very end of time as we know it and we enter into sort of eternity future which is a big concept you know to kind of wrap your brain around but what we've been doing as a church is we've been asking god to show us how do we live in light of these days and in fact these days that some have labeled the last days you might hear that phrase often um, it's thrown around like we're entering into some period of time that is going to be the end of all days. And the reality is the Bible teaches us that we have been in the last days since the life of Jesus. In fact, you'll see it up here on the screen. Here's what the Apostle Paul, one of the big time writers in the Bible, if you don't know the Bible, here's what he had to say. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, Paul says, speaking of his own day, in these last days, spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. And so from the days of Jesus until today, until the day that Jesus comes back again, which is actually the chapter of Revelation we're going to talk about today, all of that is considered the last days. You can look at any era of humanity since the days of Jesus, and you can see actually humanity in much worse shape than what we're in right now. Like people look at all the things that are happening, and they're like, oh, this is it. This is the worst it's ever been. No, not by far. It's not the worst it's ever been. 
um, go back and study some humanity until the days of Christ, and you'll see we've, we've gone through some really, really bad things. But nevertheless, there is a day coming that we don't know when it is, but there's a day coming when Jesus will return and he'll redeem all things. And at the end of those days, the person will have the ladder be put back under them. They'll climb down and the lights will be finished and we'll enjoy the presence of Jesus for all of eternity. So here's what we're, we're looking at. You'll see this up on the screen then. Here's our framework for this, our lens through which we're looking at the book of Revelation. Peter says it like this, since everything will be destroyed in this way in the end, what kind of people ought you to be? So we're not like unpacking the book of Revelation, looking at all kinds of secret symbols and codes and, you know, all these things that we're like, you know, it's going to tell us different things. We're not like the, the Revelation is not like the national treasure movie of the Bible, you know, some people enjoy doing that stuff. And if that's you, that's awesome. I, you know, anytime we engage the Bible, it's a good thing. But that's not what we're doing as a church. We're asking God, in light of the last days, which have started at the days of Jesus until now, how then should we live? What should we do in light of the book of Revelation? This is what we're doing. Today, I get the great privilege of leading you through one of the best chapters in all of the Bible. It's Revelation chapter 19, and if you have a Bible, you can turn there. You can turn to it on your phone. If you're watching us online, there's actually a Bible link there that you can click on and follow along. Um, Revelation chapter 19, and we're just going to start right in the beginning. Now, as we start in verse 1, let me remind you, if you weren't here with us last Sunday, you can go back and listen to that message. It was a dark, dark passage. It was, it was about judgment, and it was, it was about, um, about um, a reconciling of the state of humanity. And, and it, was, it was a challenging, challenging passage of Scripture. But in order for us to be able to fully appreciate Revelation chapter 19 and actually the rest of the book that comes behind it, we have to not ignore what we did last Sunday that there is a judgment, that there is a thing called sin, that, that, that there's, Jesus came to save us from sin and death and hell, that, that, that there is a side of the judgment of God that he is true and he is righteous, right? God is just. And some of us struggle with the justness of God. How could a loving God allow this or do that, right? We struggle with that, and that's a normal thing to struggle with. But God is perfectly just, and he's perfectly right. And he will, he will avenge those who have been wronged. And we see this all the time, even though we may wrestle with it. We still, at a soul level, you know, understand if, if something um, happens to one of your kids, right? If one of your kids is playing, you know, somewhere, and someone who's had too much to drink, you know, injures them in some way, you want there to be justice, right? Why? Because it's built into you as a human being created in the image of God. This is how God is. And so last Sunday, we wrestled with this, and it was a, it was a tough thing to wrestle with, but we had to wrestle with it in order to get to this. 
And so today, we're going to jump into Revelation chapter 19. Now, before, before, I have one more disclaimer as we jump into Revelation 19. This, this is one of the most amazing chapters in the Bible because Jesus returns. Um, he's in the final battle. He defeats the enemy. It's pretty, pretty amazing, pretty amazing. But it's pretty gnarly, too. I'm just giving you a heads up. It's a pretty gnarly, like, like you're going to see, if you've never read this chapter of the Bible, you're going to see some, some sides of Jesus that you may not have ever seen before. And we're stoked about that. We're stoked about that. Because oftentimes when you see Jesus portrayed in art and other things, you know, in different types of media, when you see Jesus portrayed, he's like this, like, this, like, this, like, super gentle you know, oftentimes like white skin, blonde hair, blue eyed American Jesus, unfortunately. Um, and he's like, he's like, he's like, like softly like petting a lamb. And he's like whispering, you know, affirming statements into its ear. And it's like, this is like Jesus. Oh, he's so soft and warm and cuddly and, um, there is a side to Jesus for sure that is gentle and is patient and is kind and will gather the little children to himself and say, if you do something to one of these, you, it'll be better for you if someone just like, like tied a huge rock around your neck and threw you into the deepest part of the ocean because it's not going to go well for you, right? Like, like Jesus is gentle, but he's just. And we're going to get to see both sides of this today. And it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a wild ride. I'm just, I'm just going to be up front with you. All right? You ready? All right. Let's do this thing. I'm so excited. This is going to be so fun. Here we go. Revelation chapter 19, verse 1. After this, I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven shouting, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord is what that means. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for true and just are his judgments. He has condemned the great prostitute, who you can like listen to last week's message. To, you know, we won't unpack the, the great prostitute. Um, who corrupted the earth by her adulteries. He has avenged on her the blood of his servants. The Bible says that vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And this is true. It's true in the lives of people who have given their lives for the sake of Jesus, who have been abused and beaten. It's true of you in your life, wrongs that have been done uh, to you, and especially uh, wrongs that have been done in the name of Jesus or somehow under the umbrella of the local church. I talk to people almost every Sunday uh, out here on this patio who have in some way experienced hurt and trauma under the umbrella of the local church. And it's horrible. And, and I'm not exempt from that group. My family is not exempt from that group. And, and I know that this, this, this isn't a, a very significant thing, but maybe, maybe it'll encourage you if you hear somebody who's, who stands up here and teaches the word of God in a local church to say to you that if that's been your experience, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I've experienced hurt in the local church as well. We can be jacked up, just like everybody else, for what it is. 
And again, they shouted, hallelujah. And the smoke from her, this is the prostitute now who has been avenged, who, who, has, who has experienced judgment, goes up forever and ever. The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and they worshiped God who was seated on the throne. There is another part of scripture that talks about the praise of God in his presence being so strong, so loud, so powerful that it shakes the foundations of heaven and literally dust falls because of the praise of those who are in the presence of God. This is what we're experiencing here. Watch this. And they cried, Amen, hallelujah. This is the third hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, both great and small. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder, shouting now, hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. There are four hallelujahs here. And do you know how many other hallelujahs there are in the entire New Testament, the second half of the Bible? Zero. These are the only four hallelujahs in the New Testament. Four times in the span of just eight verses. In the end, the coming of the king, the return of the king that we're going to read about here in just a second... The return of the king is preceded by four hallelujahs that are not found anywhere else in the New Testament. And they're hallelujahs that are shaking the very foundations of heaven. The coming of the king, the return of the king, is preceded by the praise of God's people. Around the throne in this passage, in this chapter of the Bible, is the church. The church has already been collected to Jesus and are now around the throne. And we, all of us, this is a foretelling of what all of us will be doing in this moment. We will be shouting our hallelujahs, our praises to God, and it will be so loud and so thundering. I love that we have times very reflective songs as we worship here together. I also love the songs when we just sort of push off the roof we should we sort of push out the doors we like like the neighborhood around around us hears that we are praising our god it's good to be passionate and loud and enthusiastic when you praise god we're certainly going to be doing it together here in this very final experience with jesus it's an amazing amazing thing that happens here the coming of the king always is preceded by worship now, in your life and in mine, you and I need to experience the coming of the king in areas of our lives, right? I, I can tell you, if you and I were sitting down over a cup of coffee right now, I could immediately rattle off 10 areas. Easy. I wouldn't pause and I wouldn't even think about at least 10 areas of my life where I need the king to come. You know, and I get emotional about it because I'm desperate for the king. I need the king to come. I need the king to come in my life. I need a return of the king, not just in my own heart, but in so many places in my life, people that I love. 
things that I know are not what God would have them to be. And God, I need, I need the king to come. And do you know, oftentimes we get stuck in like this downward cycle of we know we need the king. But we just don't know what to do or we've been in the situation for so long that maybe we've just we've been pushed down for so long that we just can't seem to. And you know what will help us break through? Praise. You know, a hallelujah in your life, right? A hallelujah, a praise the Lord, uh, something that lifts your eyes up off of this downward spiral that you're in and says, God, I don't know how this looks. I don't know how it happens. I don't, it, it's truly a miracle that you're going to have to do in these situations. But God, I'm somehow going to lift my eyes up to you and I'm going to praise you right now in the messy middle because I know you're coming back one day, and I know you want to uh, come into my life in these areas right now as well. And so I want to encourage you today. If you have a situation where you're in the messy middle, maybe you just need to lift your eyes up and give some praise to God. What is true and what is right? I was talking to a couple of my kids this week. A very challenging situation in my family. And I was talking to two of our kids, and I said, I, I, I asked them, what do you do when it seems like your world is being shaken, when, when things are happening around you that are devastating, that are threatening to, to wash over you? Here's what you do. You remind yourself of what is true and what is right. What is true and what is right? God, in the storm, I need an anchor. And so oftentimes, praise is what allows us to do this. You know, when we sing these songs here, these are more than just songs. Listen, you guys know, you, all of you who, who are here regularly, you know the format, right? We, ha we have the same format every Sunday, for the most part, right? There's, there's, there's no, like, you know, it, it is what it is. This is our format. This is how we do it and what we do. But in the middle of that format, we're giving all of us opportunity to voice what is true and what is right in our lives. And we need it. When we sing these words, I've had people who would come to me um, as a pastor in the past and they would complain about songs that would repeat statements over and over again. In fact, they would, they would use this, this, this derogatory uh, 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 description of, why do we sing these 711 songs? We sing the same seven words 11 times. Why do we do that? I should have known that this would happen to me today. It's been a crazy couple weeks, you guys. Why do we do that? Have you ever sat in a doctor's office, either for yourself or with somebody else, and received a stage four diagnosis? Right? Have you ever seen one of your children willingly drive off of a cliff? 
right? Have you ever sat across from a spouse? This is not, I didn't need to clarify this in this moment. Have you ever, this is not my situation right now, but have you ever sat across from a spouse who said, I'm done? It's, it's over. This, it's it. It's, it's over right now. I'm, I'm leaving. Have you ever been in one of those situations? And what you need more than anything else is to repeat over and over and over again what is true and what is right. When you're begging God for healing in your body or in your family or, or for a loved one or, or in a situation, you will repeat it over and over and over again. Two years ago, next month, I lay on an emergency room operating table as they put a scope into my heart and tried to save my life because I had a 100% blocked artery and I, had a ma- and I was having a massive heart attack. You know what I did? I was awake during that surgery. You know what I did the entire surgery? I repeated the same passage of scripture over and over and over again. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And in a divine exchange, when you present your request to God, he will give you a peace that passes all understanding. And in my situation, very literally, it will guard your heart and your mind, which was going crazy in that moment, through Christ Jesus. I repeated that over and over and over again. And until you've been in those situations, let's maybe hold off on the criticism of what we're experiencing in worship together on a Sunday morning. Huh? Maybe? Maybe we could do that? Okay. Um, Here we go. I haven't even gotten to the best part, you guys. Here we go. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, John goes on to say, and his bride has made herself ready. Now, as we go into this section of the chapter, you need to know this. The wedding imagery is strong here, and there's a reason for it. In Hebrew, in, in, in Jewish culture, what would happen is uh, a man and a woman would come together and they would be engaged uh, or betrothed is, is, the, is the word that they would have used. And, and they would have come together and it was a commitment that was the same as standing at the altar together making a, a wedding a marriage commitment. They would be engaged, they would commit to each other and, and, and if you walked away even before the wedding, you still had to get a divorce. This is why in the story of the birth of Jesus that we'll, 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 we'll hear over this next month, um, you'll, you'll read that, that uh, Joseph was going to give Mary up for a divorce, even though they were just engaged, because they had made this commitment. This is how it worked in that culture. And so there was a commitment that was made, and then there was an engagement time frame and eventually then at a, at a designated time, the bridegroom would come for the bride and they would get married, right? So, so in the Bible, the engagement, the engagement, commitment, the covenant was the first covenant that God made with Abraham. That's the first covenant. I will, I will make you a great nation. And out of you will come someone who will save all people. The, the foretelling of Jesus, right? This is the engagement, the, the, the betrothing 
of, of humanity through Israel, right? And then at some point, the bridegroom would come and would gather his bride. And this is what Jesus does with the church, right? And then there would be a wedding. And it would consummate all of it together. And the husband and the wife would live together for the rest of their lives, right? This is what's happening right here in this section of, of, of the chapter. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. This is the church. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are inviting to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, oh man, don't do that. I'm just a fellow servant with you and with your brothers and sisters who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. In the Hebrew tradition, there would be the engagement or the betrothal, right? There would be the wedding, which we're about ready to experience, or which we just read about. But in the middle, there would be a price that needed to be paid. The bridegroom must pay a price to the, the, the bride's family. It was called a dowry. So Jesus became engaged to us in the first covenant with Abraham. We're reading right now about the wedding, the culmination of it. And in the middle was the price, the dowry that had to be paid. And that was the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. He paid the price for you. It started with Abraham. And it's ending right now in this chapter. And in the middle, Jesus paid the price, the only price that could be paid for you and I. And so when we celebrate with Jesus in this moment, we're going to be in this moment, you and I, those of us who follow after Jesus. In this moment, we're going to be able to celebrate as the bride of Christ because he paid the price for us, the dowry. Now watch this. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider is called Faithful and True. This is Jesus. With justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire, and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood. All right? Come on now. So, like... American Jesus with feathered hair whispering to the lamb, dipped in blood. Not just his own blood that he shed on the cross, but because he's in the final battle for his people. His name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him. You know who's in the armies? You and me, we're in this army we're going to be with Jesus in this moment. This is amazing. And for those of you who are like, yeah, I'm stoked. I'm going to pull out my sword. And da, da, da. Nope, there's actually no bloodshed uh, in this battle. There doesn't need to be. Riding, here's what we're going to be doing. Riding on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of Jesus' mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. 
He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. That's a, that's a sentence right there. On his robe and on his thigh, he has his name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So for those of you who like look down on people, especially pastors who have tattoos, how else is his name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, written on his thigh? It's not a stick-on tattoo, you guys. And I saw an angel standing in the sun who cried in a loud voice to all the birds flying in midair, Come, gather together for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings, generals, and the mighty, of horses and their riders, of the flesh of all people. I told you it was going to be gnarly. Free and slave, great and small. Then I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to wage war against the rider on the horse. This is it. This is the battle. But the beast was captured, and with it the false prophet who had performed the signs on his behalf. With these signs, he had deluded people who received the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The two of them, the beast and the false prophet, were thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. The rest were killed with the sword coming out of the mouth of the rider, Jesus, on the horse. And all the birds gorged themselves on their flesh. C.S. Lewis said it like this, Aslan is not a tame lion. <laughs> Jesus is going to come and he will avenge. And you know what? We get to be along for the ride. We're not going to lift a finger. In fact, Jesus himself is not going to swing a sword other than the word of God coming out of his mouth. This is the Jesus that we serve. The coming of the king changes everything. In fact, here's the one big idea truth that I want to give to you right now that I hope you remember from this chapter of the Bible, that God's future is greater than your present. Begin with the end in mind, leadership experts would say. Begin with the end in mind. And the end for you and I is that God's future is what we've just read. He holds the future. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. He who started a good work in you is going to complete it in the day of Christ. This is our future. And so as we go through the challenges of this life, as we go through the messy middle that we're in right now, we can take hope because we know how the story ends. We know that in the end, the bridegroom comes for his bride, the church, and that we are united together with Christ for all of eternity. And so what do we do about this? Here's what we do about this. In Hebrews 10, it says it like this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day meaning what we just read. Hebrews chapter 10. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church. 
click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831 800 Thanks again for tuning in.